1995, Toy Story changed film and animation forever. It's not only the story of one movie, but the story of Pixar, and actually Disney Animation too. Over the next few episodes, we're going to do a series on the Toy Story franchise and discuss all four movies, but we're going to start each episode with a brief story about how these movies came to be, a Toy Story story. Today, we're starting with the one that started it all, Toy Story 1. Welcome to Deconstructing a Fairy Tale, embarrassing in-depth thoughts about Disney movies from two Disney parents slash fans. I'm your host, Jill. And I'm Jared. So to understand how Toy Story began, we need to rewind back to the early 1980s. In 1981, a new animator at Disney Animation, John Lasseter, was working on Mickey's Christmas Carol when a friend showed John a project that he was working on. It was Disney's upcoming movie, Tron, but the scene in question was entirely animated with computers. Now this is weird, because remember, this is a time when animation is done traditionally, using pencils and paints and paintbrushes, and computers are not involved in filmmaking really whatsoever. But here was this scene from Tron of a motorcycle race, and it was made in a totally new way on a computer. The result was crude and blocky, but when John Lasseter saw the scene, he realized the future of filmmaking was about to change. So he pitched an idea to Disney. We adapt the book The Brave Little Toaster into a fully computer animated film. The pitch did not go well, guys. The Disney executives did not even allow John to finish pitching the movie before they shut down the project as too expensive and experimental. Minutes later, they fired John Lasseter and then decided to make the Brave Little Toaster using traditional animation anyway. But John knew that computers were the future of storytelling, so he got a job at a company that was trying to achieve this future, a small group that would later be known as Pixar. Pixar itself has a wild history because at first no one really knew what to do with a computer graphics company. Without going into too many details, let's just say that their history involves the medical field, Star Wars, and Chuck E. Cheese. Computer graphics were just so misunderstood. By the mid-1980s, when Pixar became Pixar, it was owned by Apple founder Steve Jobs, who was fired from Apple and was looking for his next big hit. Pixar not only did animation for movies and commercials at the time, but they also sold computers specially designed to make computer graphics. To be honest, no one bought it, except, funny enough, Disney. In 1988, John Lasseter won an Oscar for Pixar's short film, Tin Toy. It's the very first computer animated winner for an Academy Award. After seeing the computer animation and the work that was coming out of Pixar, Disney realized there might be some magic in these newfangled computers after all. They used their new Pixar computer to create the opening scene to their movie in 1990, The Rescuers Down Under in which a camera would fly across the Australian desert. It was a shot that would have been impossible to draw by hand. With Pixar's technology, suddenly, new things were possible that animators had never dreamed of. Ever just the same. They used it again in the blockbuster hit Beauty and the Beast, with a stunning scene set in a ballroom as the camera swooped around the dancing Belle and Beast while Mrs. Potts sang Tale as Old as Time. Many of the Disney animators were against using Pixar's technology for the scene, but the final effect was magic. That's where we come back to John Lasseter. 
1991, and Disney is starting to wise up about this whole computer animation fad. Maybe they made a mistake by firing John Lasseter all those years ago. So Disney tried to hire him back, and he refused. He had the full support of a team at Pixar, whereas many at Disney were still skeptical about the future of computer graphic animation. John said it best, I can go to Disney and be a director, or I can stay here and make history. So instead, Disney made a deal where Pixar would be allowed to make three movies for Disney, entirely made on computers in 3D environments. So now, we finally arrive at Toy Story. You know how I mentioned Pixar's short film, Tin Toy? That was the 1988 short film that Pixar made about a group of toys who were alive, and although we don't have time to go into that story now, Tin Toy saved Pixar's animation division in the 1980s. So everyone knew this idea of toys having their own secret lives was a winning concept. Pixar's original movie idea for Disney was a 30-minute special called A Tin Toy Christmas, but Disney felt that if they were going to spend the money, it might as well be a feature-length movie. So a Christmas special wouldn't work, but the toy idea stuck. The original plot was about Tinny, a tin toy, and a ventriloquist dummy. I know, it's weird. In the original script, these two toys are lost and in search of an owner, and at the end of the movie, Tinny and the ventriloquist dummy end up in Toy Heaven, which John Lasseter considered to be a preschool. Sound familiar? Anyway, eventually the script went through some changes, and production officially began at the end of 1991. Oh, and by the way, Disney really wanted this to be a musical. Disney gave a lot of notes about the script, like a ton of notes, so much so that Pixar wasn't sure that the movie was really theirs anymore. Disney wanted the film to appeal to both children and adults, and they asked for adult references to be added to the film. They wanted the script to be edgy, and as a result, Buzz and Woody were completely unlikable. John Lasseter later said, it was a story filled with the most unhappy, mean characters I've ever seen. Let me just play you a test clip from 1992. Hi, pal, what you doing? I'm Tempest from Mars. Yeah, yeah, what's his butt? Say, you weren't thinking of flying, were you? Well... You know Andy loves toys that can fly. Really? Well then, to infinity and beyond! You know, Andy loves toys that he can find. This brings us to November 19th, 1993, a day which Pixar would later call Black Friday. The leadership of Disney all gathered in a small theater and watched the first half of Toy Story and the results were disastrous. Everyone hated it. The movie didn't work at all and Disney pulled the plug on the film, seemingly ending Toy Story and computer animation right there. But John Lasseter asked for some time to rewrite the script his way and Disney agreed so long as Pixar owner Steve Jobs paid for the additional two weeks of production time. The main change was the character of Woody, who went from being a mean tyrant into a wise leader. Another big change was making it clear in the beginning of the film that Buzz Lightyear thinks he's a real space ranger. By February 1994, Disney executives liked this new friendlier Toy Story, and production resumed in full force. Remember that note I mentioned about Disney wanting Toy Story to be a musical? That's because all of the recent Disney animation successes, so think Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, they all worked off of a Broadway musical model. Obviously, Pixar convinced them that this was not going to work with Toy Story, but the compromise was that a musician would need to write songs that would play during the film. That musician ended up being Randy Newman, who wrote and performed three original songs for the movie, including the signature song, You've Got a Friend in Me, which he wrote in just one day. In November 1995, after all of this, Toy Story, the very first computer animated film, was finally released in theaters. And to everyone's surprise, even Pixar's, it was an instant global sensation. 
It would be the highest grossing film of 1995, beating out Batman Forever, Apollo 13, and Disney's own Pocahontas. Although the movie rating website Rotten Tomatoes did not exist yet, Toy Story's eventual score would be a rare 100% among all certified film critics. A perfect score. It was nominated for three Academy Awards, and John Lasseter won a Special Achievement Award because of it. It was so successful that one week later, it launched Pixar into their initial public offering, finally giving them the financial freedom to pursue the films they wanted to develop. So Toy Story, this movie from 1995, is really much more than Toy Story. It's the foundation of an entire company, Pixar, and you could also argue the rebirth of Disney Animation Studios, and it legitimized an entirely new form of storytelling using computer graphics. So that's how Toy Story came to be. That's the Toy Story story. That's the Toy Story story. So just a quick overview of the first Toy Story, Toy Story 1. Do you ever wonder what toys do when people aren't around? Toy Story answers the questions with a fantastic, fun-filled journey viewed mostly through the eyes of two rival toys, Woody, the lanky, likable cowboy, and Buzz Lightyear, the fearless space ranger. Led by Woody, Andy's toys live happily in his room until Andy's birthday brings Buzz Lightyear onto the scene. Afraid of losing his place in Andy's heart, Woody plots against Buzz. But when circumstances separate Buzz and Woody from their owner, the comically mismatched duo eventually learn to put aside their differences and they find themselves on a hilarious adventure-filled mission where the only way they can survive is to form an uneasy alliance. Yeah, so should we go into our fast facts? Yeah, let's do it. My first fast fact is that the earliest scripts for the film actually featured a Barbie doll in mm. a prominent role. And she was going to be Woody's love interest. Um, Mattel, though, so that's the company that owns Barbie, right. uh, declined on the basis that they thought the film was going to be a failure. Which, honestly, like a lot of people did. Disney wasn't sure it was going to work. Pixar wasn't sure it was going to work. Uh, and Mattel wasn't either. And so Barbie was dropped from the script and her c- character was reworked into what eventually would become Bo Peep. Um, now, obviously, when the film proved to be a success, Mattel did allow Barbie to appear in Toy Story 2. Um, but going back to Bo Peep, Bo Peep is actually a reference to uh, the fairy tale The Shepherdess and the Sweep from 1849 by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. Um, you may remember Hans Christian Andersen as he's the one who wrote The Snow Princess um, that would later become Frozen. He's the one who wrote Little Mermaid. He wrote a lot of these little kids' stories. Um, and in this, uh, in one of his stories, he talks about kids uh, having toys which come to life when no one is looking. So mm-hmm. also kind of like Toy Story. So I don't know. I, from that, couple different facts. Number one, Mattel, man, really missing out at the mm-hmm. beginning, uh, having not having Barbie in this. But also Hans Christian Andersen uh, just kind of, I mean, basically creating the roadmap for Disney and Pixar movies yep. in the future. Mm-hmm. It in turn ended up being the highest grossing film of 1995. Yeah, so Mattel really they, missed out. Everyone was pretty uh, wrong on that. Yeah. So that was a side note to that one. But my first fast fact is that Pizza Planet was originally Pizza Putt, oh. a combination pizzeria, and miniature golf course. Can I be honest? I love that so much more. Same. I want to go there. Yeah. So that is cool. Pizza Putt is a place that would exist in real life. Pizza Planet is something that can only exist in fiction. Probably. Yeah. That's yeah. That's how it goes. 
So if you look in Andy's bedroom, you'll notice that the books that are on the bookshelf, they are actually the names of the Pixar short films that they did in the 1980s. So you got Tin Toy, which I mentioned earlier, uh, Knick Knack, that's the one with the snowman in the snow globe, Um, Mm. has like the really catchy tune that plays. Red's Dream, which is kind of depressing. It's about a unicycle that juggles, I think. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lexo Jr. about the two lamps, mm-hmm. um, the parent lamp and the child lamp and the Pixar ball. So these books are on the shelf with those names. Kind of a fun little reference to their short films. All right. The animation team perfected the movement of the toy soldiers by nailing a pair of sneakers to a sheet of wood and trying to rock around on them. Do you think they did this at home and their wives are like, do you have a real job? (laughs) (laughs) This cannot be a real job. (laughs) Yeah, they're probably like, what? This is bad. What is it that you actually do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds kind of fun, though. Yeah, it does. It'd be fun to try that. Um, My last fact, I only have one more left, is that uh, Toy Story is the only Pixar film to be released on Laserdisc. Oh, yeah, Laserdisc. In the United States. Yeah, do you remember Laserdisc? I, I don't, but... Um... So for those who may not know, Laserdisc disc was a precursor to DVD. Mm-hmm. So it was like, we could instead of just having VHS, we can put an entire movie on a disc. But the it, And it looks like a DVD. It's like shiny and stuff. It's gigantic. Like, like just Google Laserdisc. And it's, it's like comically huge. Like if a clown were to make a DVD. Yeah. It's like... I, I don't even know. It's like the size of a beach ball. It's crazy. And it's double-sided because each side could only hold like 60 minutes. It wasn't a very efficient. Um, and, and so it wasn't very popular. Like not that many people bought Laserdisc. So yeah, kind of fascinating uh, history. It, it, you can buy Toy Story on Laserdisc on eBay. I looked it up. They go for very cheap. No one wants them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, I bet if you have one of these, it's probably like a thousand dollars. No, it was like fourteen dollars. Oh wow! Well, yeah, I mean, people cleaning out their garages. Like, I need to get rid of this. Get rid of this. Yeah. Um, this is my last fast fact. When Woody is sitting on the bed talking with Slinky, there is a drawing of Woody on the wall behind him, and this is actually an early sketch of the Woody character. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Was it drawn by a kid or by an animator? Couldn't tell you. Oh, okay, cool. Because the picture I have in my head <laughs> right, looks like, like a child like drew a it. Like a child's drawing. Yeah. So. Kind of makes me wonder. I didn't get that. Is far it like an in intern? They're like, yeah, you. Someone else, please draw Woody. We're not using this. <laughs> we have a new segment today because we're going to talk about all four Toy Story movies. We want to talk about what makes each movie unique. What's special about that Toy Story? So that's what we're going to talk about in this next segment. What makes Toy Story 1 special? Joe, you go first. Um, well, I said it's the first one. Okay, yeah. So, like... It sets the precedent. We didn't know these characters or any of kind of the story. So I was like, that kind of sets it apart because you go in not knowing Woody or Buzz or any of the characters. Yeah. So, um, and then I said that also, like, Buzz and Woody are not friends yet in this one. Yeah. I guess so. That really goes into my first point, which is that this is the only Toy Story movie where Buzz and Woody are together the whole time. Because mm. in all the other ones, they're separated right. for various reasons. Yeah. But this one, that it's like a, it's a buddy film. Yeah. You know, they're together mm-hmm. the whole movie once yeah. Buzz arrives on the scene. 
Um, and that kind of makes this one special because yeah. you think of Buzz and Woody as being best friends, but we really don't see them together hanging right. out yeah. in the rest of the movies. It's like they build, they're building their friendship in this one. That's right. Well, and they start out as frenemies as, too, right. which they helps. They don't I even think. start out as friends. Yeah, helps that. Um, I put that Buzz in this one is convinced he's a space ranger. Oh, that's space true. Space ranger. Yeah. Um, I think the other ones he's maybe moved past that. Yeah. He's also the only other, in terms of main characters, he's the only other one that even thinks he's a real, like, not right. just a toy, but like right. a real person. Yeah. Um, there are, like, minor characters who think that in other Toy Story films. That's interesting. Uh, I wrote that uh, it's the only Toy Story that shows the anxiety that toys mm-hmm. go through every Christmas and birthday. Yeah, that's good. You know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting part of toys' lives to think about that. It's like, we love birthday parties and we right. love Christmas like yeah what am I going to get New but for stuff. the toys yeah, it's, like, it's like oh no am I going to be replaced that's true you know is mm-hmm. this is a new toy going to come along that causes my demise or to be forgotten or thrown away mm. and this this one shows it twice we see both a birthday and Christmas oh yeah mm-hmm. the Andy. yep mm-hmm. um Molly and Andy share a room in this oh that's right that's sweet and yeah, I think that's it. That's the only Toy Story that they do that in. Yeah, they have their own room in their new house. Each yeah. one of them gets their own room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the last thing that occurred to me was that uh, this is... I, I think this is true. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the only Toy Story movie in which the toys come to life in front of a human. Oh, yeah, I think so. When at the end, uh, Woody it's... and then the gang come to, life, uh, come to life in front of Sid, Sid yeah. to scare him. And the other Toy Story movies, and which is probably for the best, I think this creates more questions than it does solutions. So yeah. I think Disney Pixar team knows that, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Let's not do that again." Yeah, it creates too many problems. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know where we should put this fact, but like Buzz, even when he thinks he's a real space ranger, he freezes right. when humans are around yeah. in Toy Story One, which does not make sense. So I think there's like this question of like can can toys willingly make themselves alive around humans or not, and it would be easiest probably just to make a rule that like as an as a law of nature they cannot become whatever conscious or whatever in front of a human, and then they do that in Toy Story one. So I think the team was like this is let's not do that again. Yeah, probably they had to. Then got their story uh, foundation. It's not like in Star Wars when in every movie they got to blow up another Death Star. Right, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. these writers are actually good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just do the same thing we did before. (laughs) That worked before. Let's do it again. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about meaningful moments. Yeah. Um, Did you have a meaningful moment, something that stuck stuck out to you? Yeah, I love when... The end, like when Buzz and Woody are riding on RC. Oh, yeah. Trying to get back to the moving van. Uh Like, they've become friends, and they're working together, and Woody's like, you're flying, and he's like, I'm called Flying with Style, you know. (laughs) Falling with Style. Yeah, Falling with Style. This isn't flying, this is falling with style. That takes me right back to my childhood. The music, the feeling uh, of them like hunting or chasing down the, the minivan. My, so I think the most meaningful moment to me still to this day, it's when, it's near the end of the movie, when Buzz and Woody are still trapped in Sid's room. 
and Woody is trapped under the milk crate, and Buzz has the rocket strapped mm. to him, and it's raining outside. It's almost morning, and they're talking, and uh, Woody says he's trying to remind Buzz that being a toy is actually very meaningful because Buzz is depressed because he's not a space ranger like he thought he was, and Woody's like, no, like you're even more valuable as a toy than you were as a space ranger. And so then he says this line. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. And I just think it's a really good metaphor with how kids see the adults in their lives who really matter to them. You know, think parent or teacher or grandparent. It's like, it's not about what you do for the kid. It's just that you're present. You know, they don't care about your accolades. Yeah. They don't care like what your major was, what your job is now, like how many awards you have, how much money you make. They just care that you're there for them, you know. Mm -hmm. So the writers of this movie were parents already, you know, when they wrote this movie. That's John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter. And you got to think they're they're seeing themselves as a parent in that line. And so now as a parent, hearing that line is really meaningful to me. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's it's sweet. a lot more than just about toys. You know, right, I think. yeah. I, I liked the whole, like, birthday scene, how they work all together to like try to figure meeting. out what the new toys are. <laughs> yeah, like, and then I just love how Woody is, like, they meet also about moving and... Yes. I don't know. There's, I just, like, an administration. Yeah, I don't know if it was, like, a meaningful, but it was just, like... Something you loved. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I do too, actually. Yeah. And I don't remember as a kid feeling bored by that. Yeah. You know, if you were to set, if you were to pitch a movie, you're like, we're going to start this movie with a meeting. Right. I mean, like, yeah. like, that doesn't sound very good. Also, just like watching it now, I'm like, this is so creative. Yeah. Like, there's just a few things that I'm like, that's so creative to like think about that or like, you know, use the baby monitor and lower it down and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and then even, like, the they talk about the workshops that they're having right now, and there was, like, yeah. the one on what to do if a part of you is swallowed. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like their own little world. So also unique to uh, our Toy Story conversation is we want to talk about Toy Story theories. Mm. And we're going to do one each episode. So I want to start with Andy's dad. Let's talk about mm. Andy's dad yeah. today because this is a hot topic. Who is Andrew, Andy's dad? Why? I keep calling him Andrew. Like, that's his formal <laughs> name. Andrew. Um, who is Andy's dad, and why is he absent in this movie? Is he dead? Is he just, like, gone? I mean, what? where is Andy's dad? So, right, right. what's your take on this? My take is we have assumed, right, that she was married and had these children, and maybe now... I think if that's the case, they're divorced. Okay. And he just said whatever. But I'm also here to present the theory of, did she just have some boyfriends? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so there was never a committed male in may- the picture. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, could be. I, I But think there are two kids. There are two. That so doesn't mean... it's persisted. Or it's different men. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I don't think that is the case. I'm just saying we've never brought that up before. Yeah, it's a messy lifestyle that yeah. Mrs. Davis lives. Yeah. 
So I'm going to say that's probably not it. I think they were married. I think he works too much. Okay. And she said, You know what? I've had enough. <laughs> you love your work. Yeah. I'll say two things here uh, that are not our own. First is from the YouTube channel Super Carlin Brothers, who are very popular. They're the ones who probably popularized the unified Pixar theory. They didn't come up with it, but they popularized it. And they have a theory that, uh, well, that Andy's dad is dead. And that Woody was Andy's dad's original toy, or toy originally. So Woody belonged to Andy's dad. Uh, And then Andy's dad died, and so this toy got passed along to Andy, which is why... Uh, Woody is a toy from the 1950s who is now with Andy in the 1990s. And that's how you kind of explain that. Yep. I would say there's a lot of holes in that theory. For example, Woody does not seem to know another owner. He, in all the movies, he only talks about Andy. It's like there was never another owner in the picture. So that makes me think that he did not belong to Andy's dad. Um, Andrew Stanton also just flat out said on Twitter, this theory is incorrect. So Andrew Stanton is one of the writers on Toy Story 1. He's just said, nope, this is this is wrong. Other hole in the theory is that there are no photographs of Andy's dad in the house. There are lots of framed pictures of the kids, even as younger children, uh, versions of themselves. And if your dad slash husband passed away, you wouldn't throw all the pictures away like that. I mean, maybe you would and you wouldn't be grieving properly. I don't know. In denial, I guess. (laughs) He never existed. But no, most people would not do that. I have two theories myself. I have what I call the in-universe theory, Mm. and I have the realist, what I call the realistic theory. Okay, good. I was afraid you were going to say the multiverse theory. No, no, no. We don't have those here. We don't have that time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my in-universe theory is I, I agree with you. I think Andy's mom and dad are going through a divorce, and it's been really messy, like super messy. Um, that them moving out of the house is evidence of this messy divorce. You know, we don't know who's keeping the house or maybe it just needs to be sold and the money and the loan is going to be split both ways. Um, but for some reason there, there's a need to move as happens often when a divorce is going on. And so Andy's mom, you know, is she's taking the kids. She's going to make this new life for them. That's my in-universe theory as to why there are no pictures of Andy's dad anywhere um, and why she doesn't have a wedding ring, all those kinds of things that you would expect if he had passed away. But I didn't have a what I call the realistic theory, which is that I think Pixar didn't need another adult to animate. He was mm-hmm. not necessary for the story. And mm-hmm. so they were like, we only need one parent. Let's not spend the time doing this really hard process of animating another adult. Mm-hmm. And let's just leave him out, you know, because otherwise he would have had to be in the car, too. They would have had to animate his bottom half like (laughs) her. Um, And as we've seen through Toy Story 1, Pixar is not good at making people at this time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's that's my what I call the realistic theory. The real reason there is no Andy's dad. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. My theory is I think they're divorced. And maybe she just had boyfriends. Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe she didn't get married. Maybe they're adopted. Yeah, that's also true. You know, we are here talking, assuming that, you know, she had to have had a relationship with a man to make this happen. And she could just say, you know what? I just really want to be a mom. Haven't fallen in love. Yeah. I'm going to adopt these kids. Yeah. That's a really sweet theory. I'm going to, that's my favorite theory. Yes. 
that she's just a single woman who yeah, wants to be a mom. She just wants to be a mom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like that too. I'm going to take that one over my boyfriend's theory. Okay. I, I love that theory. <laughs> That's a good theory. So, what didn't you like about Toy Story 1? If you're like, say, something that you just yeah, I don't like with. Sid, the whole Sid thing. Okay. Which I know is a huge chunk of the movie. I mean, he's meant to be a villain. So, are you saying you just yeah. don't like that he, there is a villain, or do no, you like Sid specifically? I just don't like the t- creepy toys are weird to me. Yeah. So I just don't like that yeah. part. Um, there was apparently a guy who worked at Pixar whose last name was Phillips. Yeah. I, who would take apart toys and recombine yeah. them in creative ways. And I I don't know who this guy is, but in my picture now I'm like, this dude is creepy. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't I don't love it. This is the part of the movie that I think parents are like, should we skip this part? Yeah, that's how I feel. Is this okay for our young kids? This is definitely how you feel. Every time we watch it, you're well, like, even okay? for me, I'm like, I just don't want to watch this part. Yeah. Um also rewatching it, I forgot how like sad Buzz is. Like, oh man. That he's when he, how yeah. sad he is when he finds out he's not a space yeah. ranger. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. Well, it, everything he thinks is true has been right, proven false. I think if I were to critique this movie, let's say first it just hasn't aged well. This is the first fully animated film on a from a computer, right? Yeah, and it's um. It doesn't look very good. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It looks bad. When you go watch it, it you're like, oh. <laughs> you look at Scud the dog or any of the, the humans that are mm-hmm. in Toy Story 1, and, it's, and they are creepy. It's rough. Yeah, and it's the best they could do at the time. Right. You know? And so that's where it's hard to critique it because it it's like... It is impressive if you're thinking this is 1995. Yeah. Or I, before even. In preparation for this, we watched some documentaries about Toy Story 1, and, and one of them... Uh, so this is a documentary that was made in 1995, and they're bragging about how closely they studied dogs to get Scud right. Like, they're proud of Scud in 1995. They think they did a good job, and I think they probably did for 1995. Mm-hmm. It's just that these days, when you, you know, with what animators are able to do, it's like night and day. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's only a critique looking back. Yeah, because we only have... What we have now because what we had then. And it that's where it's a little bit different than traditional animation because no one is critiquing Beauty and the Beast for looking too dated, right? Right. Because it's, it's a painting. Basically, it's tens of thousands of paintings that have been made to look like they're moving. And there's not much to critique there. Yeah. But because this is with computers and computers get so much better every single year, you know, it's going to age faster. Right. Those first few generations. But mm-hmm. otherwise... I can't really knock this movie. Yeah. All the right things happen that, to make this movie great. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. So, Toy Story 1. Uh, what's our rating, Jill, for Toy Story 1? Uh, theater night with pretzel bites. Theater night with pretzel bites. So, it's worth the date night. Mm-hmm. It's worth the babysitter. Although you should bring the kids to this one. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We're going to go through uh, Toy Stories 2 through 4 coming up here in the next few episodes. Uh, every time breaking down what makes each one unique and uh, what, uh, what unifies all four stories. Thanks for listening.